0: Welcome guys, this is uh, episode 12 of the away end, uh, coming into your heart because we've got the game on in the background, got Leeds Leicester on and we've got my man Sam Billington, Billow, uh, on the other side of uh, Manchester. How's, where's, how's where's it going man?
1: Out? Yeah it's alright, I'm good. Have you both got the game on? I'm probably the only one who hasn't got the game on now. Well, it's probably
2: better if you don't have it on
1: I think. <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> it's <be> too painful.
2: <laughs> and as you can hear there's
0: that partial southern bastard now down there in uh, in london jimbo give us a shout
2: you think you could introduce me one week without insulting me? <laughs> That's no, the premise okay, of our fine. friendship, mate. Insult each other as much as possible, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm very well, mate. How are you handling man? the news of lockdown too? At least they said football's not going to stop. I mean, yeah, we already knew that,
0: didn't we? There's too much money in that to stop that stuff again. But, you know.
2: Yeah. I, to be mm. fair, it's going to make the old lockdown a lot easier this time, I think.
1: Well, it, Manchester, it just feels like we've been in eternal lockdown. To be honest. Yeah. They might. They, they really don't care about the North <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, it's true. not a political podcast. Come on, stay <laughs> sorry, clear of <sorry>. that. <laughs> Although I completely agree with you, we are catering for all audiences here, even knobheads.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Sam, we're on this podcast. We like to give like a little, just an origin story of why you support, who you support, which obviously, the mighty mighty Leeds United.
1: It's a bit of a weird one. One thing is, grew up in Halifax in West Yorkshire, so they're like the biggest team around. But basically. Got an older brother and sister. And we had close family friends called the Rollins. And because they had a son who was like a bit older than my brother, it was kind of a thing. Oh, we had like handed down clothes. So they'd give clothes to us and they'd give clothes back to them. Their dad used to take them to Leeds games all the time because they were the biggest team nearby. So we had like Leeds kits passed down. All ended up becoming Leeds fans, going to games every now and then. Late 90s, early noughties when Leeds were like one of the most exciting teams in the country doing the Champions League run, and then everything all went wrong.
0: <laughs> oh, mate, that was sounded so positive. And then a couple of weeks ago, we had our friend George on about Bolton, and obviously they didn't get to the dizzy heights of, was it the semi-finals of the Champions League, wasn't it? Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah,
0: they didn't get quite there, but, I mean, they've dropped off. Sorry, GB, if you're listening, mate, but, yeah. We that's are a, that's
2: really... an unnecessary jab, mate. yeah, know,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I
2: was going to say, Thank I'm you. sorry. Oh, hang on. Uh, hang on. Go, I, I'm feeling chatty. I wanted to tell my oh, alternative. Go on, go on, I, go on <laughs>
0: mate. Go on, yeah, yeah, go on. It's a shot then.
2: I've been thinking about my, my childhood recently and I was thinking about a possible alternative timeline I could have gone down, Um, an alternative origin story. I used to have a next door neighbour who was my godfather and I was thinking about this the other day it popped into my head and he used to buy me a lot of Aston Villa kits and I'm thinking now if, if life had gone slightly differently I could have been an Aston Villa fan what happened was he basically ghosted out of my life like every adult male in my <laughs> in my current timeline I didn't end up becoming an Aston Villa fan I went like to the mate. psychotherapy section of the podcast <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah politics <laughs> yeah I've done politics football yeah psychotherapy <laughs> What we got next week, Daniel, legalisation of marijuana. Oh,
0: (laughs) mate, I think that's high, high on the list. (laughs) Bielsa. You really need to say anything more than that, really. But, like, he's he's brought you from, like, what? Really, before he was joining, you were... I remember speaking to you in quite, like, mid-table...
1: Yeah, sort of championship,
0: yeah. and you you've been down there quite a while. What, seven years, eight years? It, nah, it's been longer than that, hasn't it? It's been more than we've ten. Been right?
1: down, been like, down for fourteen years before yeah, Bielsa.
0: Really, like he has brought you from not to dig, but like mediocrity in in the championship up yeah. to what you are now. So, just give us a lot like, your opinions on him.
1: Bielsa is fascinating. He's the best coach I've ever known. Leeds have he's the most up humble honest intelligent principal coach i think i know of in football and that's even considering all the spygate stuff um, oh i
2: love that i love that story it's so uh, good yeah.
1: <laughs> the way that he dealt with it was just the fact that it was such a part of his culture in argentina that everyone was watching each other train and he took it to spain and everyone did that in spain like he was probably doing it in france but didn't realize no one else was doing it and was doing it in England and not realizing that that 's just not the done thing
2: and then we 're really british and we 're like oh no that 's that's
1: awful that 's awful it 's not sportsmanlike. like exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he happened to win like the uh, FIFA Fair Play Award the same year he did <laughs> Aston Miller goal to rub it in even more absolutely brilliant I do find him a very like interesting character um
2: in that he 's kind of the mentor of Poch and um Guardiola, right? He's
1: like a and philosopher. we worship him all over. Like in Rosario, Newell's All Boys in Argentina. Go to Chile, where he's the national team manager. Like Bilbao in Spain, Marseille in France. There's murals and there's artwork all over Leeds going up with Marcelo Bielsa. He's, he's already carved part of a legacy into Leeds United for being the man who's finally taken us back to the Premier League. Fans are going to love him remember him. for you know, even after he's gone but you've got to kind of at the same time you've got to give credit to the the owner the director of football cuz getting someone did, of that magnitude in is crazy like we we never would have approached anyone in that realm or sphere without them in charge and we basically Rodriguez took over the season before Bielsa we spent a bit of money but signed a, a lot of players that were kind of gambles from like lower european leagues and second division european leagues thinking that you know we might be able to get them to gel and find some gems and they might start to work but we just didn't really have a coach in charge that could do it they had a coach called thomas christensen who was like a danish guy who no one had ever heard of and we started the season all right but then it all fell apart i think there's a story of madrid sani was in the car with victor or at the end of the season and madrid sani said to victor of all if you have all the money in the world if you could choose any coach who would you choose and victor or said, marcelo bielsa and madrid sani said let's call him
2: really That's that cool. easy isn't it just give him a bell yeah the fact that you said like there's murals and stuff going up around leeds um of him i heard quite a few interesting stories about how kind of humble he is like when he moved to leeds he just lived in a little flat above a corner shop and not uncommon to like see him just like pottering around sainsbury's or whatever like wandering
1: around weatherby wearing his leeds training care yeah and, yeah like... there's a picture of him online where he's like
2: i think he's sat in like a costa coffee or something with his laptop and he's just like it's so like normal i love
1: it <laughs> Yeah, there's a Costa nearby and like so many photos go up on Twitter of like fans that have seen him in that Costa and taking photos of him and he literally have like a dossier up on some player playing in the Spanish League or something like that. And everyone's like, oh, who's that guy? Someone's taking a photo (laughs) and there's a name in the background on some paper on a table. At the risk risk of sounding
0: like a bit of a Brexit head. I kind of always think like the difference between like Argentina, Spain, France, where it's kind of not really frowned upon to do that kind of shit, like drones and stuff like that. And it's kind of weird how we, as in like England, we are just like, oh, no, we can't do that. Argentina, Spain, that's general practice. Barca get caught for that, like on the regs and it just gets brushed under the carpet.
1: It is. It's, it's a. It's a weird cultural thing, isn't it? I I
2: just just want to bash on Barca a bit. Um, Barca are bashing on themselves right now. I don't need to worry about that.
0: How long until Messi's a president, uh, co-captain and just let him do whatever he wants now, yeah? Um, The way
2: it's going, he'll be able to buy a majority share in that club for
1: about 30
2: euro.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so true.
1: (laughs) Carrying on with that rambling point. So yeah, you've also got to give credit to the players because they've kind of given everything to his ideas, doing double training sessions, working really hard play murder ball once every week they get you know players have talked about they get endless videos like whatsapp videos for the coaches of football analysis they have to watch sessions where they'll bring in kind of newspapers and talk about kind of the stories that are in the news or they all all have to analyze games themselves within kind of coaching sessions it's just the level of detail he goes into is just absolutely crazy and like during lockdown, one of the things he had his coaches doing was analysing like every, goal that, like Cup, every goal that had been scored at the last <laughs> World Cup, every set-piece goal that had been scored at the last World Cup. He's just the most workaholic man you've yeah. ever ever known in your life.
2: Can we, can we quickly talk about his bucket? Yeah. <laughs> What's that about? I love it. But what is it about?
1: From what I've heard, he's, the reason why he sits there is because he feels like he's got a better vantage point at the pitch. Because he always, always
2: crouching down, isn't he, on the touchline. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think when he was at Marseille, he had like a water cooler. And there's a video. I think one of his assistant coaches goes to get him a coffee. Oh, yeah. He like gets <laughs> up to go and yell at some players. And his, his coach puts the coffee down on the water cooler and be able to sit straight on it. And then jumps up in the air, starts swearing at his coach behind him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that
0: sounds yeah. amazing. I need to watch that.
1: We spent quite a lot of money this summer to improve the squad on kind of a few kind of key additions, players like Rodrigo and Robin Cock and players like that. But the core of the team is still a group of players that were mid-table before Bielsa arrived, kind of struggling the league. A lot of players that hadn't really developed or kicked on. Um, One of the things that also came up when they first went and met Bielsa in a hotel in Buenos Aires is that he'd watched all the games that Leeds had already played that season. He also had plans of the training ground that nobody has any idea where he got them from. And the <laughs> With changes, that fucking drone,
2: mate, I'm telling the you. <laughs> changes,
1: the changes that he would make to the training ground if he was the manager. Oh, and my how he God. How wanted the layout changing.
2: <laughs> he yeah, hadn't even and got he, the job at that point.
1: Yeah. No. And he kind of <laughs> said to Angus Kinnear and Victor Rota that he picked out some of the players Leeds had, like Liam Cooper and Calvin Phillips, and he said he would make them the best players in the league, in the championship. He went away over the course of the summer, and the team that, Le- that Leeds put out played against Stoke, pretty much the same group of players that were playing the season before and just looked like a completely different team. Wow. You know, it makes you so proud that he's the Leeds manager. He's just such a pure coach. And you can kind of
2: see that in Pochettino and Guardiola, how it's, like, I think we've spoken about this before, how it's like, it's total football with
1: them. Like yeah. they're like master um, uh, motivators. He first started out as a player at like Newell's Old Boys and then... He, he wasn't really that successful, didn't break into the team, kind of struggled to make it as a player. Went and did, I think, a, like a degree in like physical education, became the coach of a university team and then went back to Newell's Old Boys as like an academy manager. And then eventually from being an academy manager, which is, I don't know if you still know the story about him and Pochettino when he was the academy manager at Newell's. So he and his assistant were at Newell's and at the time they were like, they wanted to turn Newell's Academy into you know, one of the best and one of the most productive in Argentina. So they drew up a map of Argentina and cut it all into different states. And they went scouting all across kind of Argentina. One of the, one of the players that they found when they were kind of going scouting was Mauricio Pochettino. I think he was about 14 or 15 at the time because they really wanted him to sign for, for Newell's. He showed up at his parents' house at about one or two in the morning. <laughs> And like, knocked on the front door, went into the house, kind of had like a two hour long conversation with his parents, and managed to convince him to send Pochettino to Newalls to, Newell's to be, go and be a player there rather than going to any other team. At knife point. <laughs> I don't know what they have. <laughs> yeah. Fuck me. Imagine that. Imagine someone
2: turning up at your front door at two in the morning going, Give me your son. Okay, wow, no, that's incredible! So I feel when, like there's there's like endless there's sto- just, just endless stories like this about him. Honestly, I imagine,
1: yeah, there's so there's so many anecdotes and so many so many stories and so many things. But he's kind of he's been coaches at various different places. But when he's not been in a job, when he's been on his kind of sabbatical things, he's done lots and lots of different talks. And he's done talks all over Mexico and kind of South America about his ideas and his philosophy in football. Um, and I've got a bunch of a bunch of different quotes.
2: Yeah, go on, hit us, wants,
1: go on. Because there are questions that football demands that can only be resolved with great talent, but there are also many answers that average players have not incorporated into their resources because no one has taught them. The best players find answers themselves, but the average players believe they know up to a limit, but they're able to do more than they know. And I think we should, what we should do is teach them solutions they cannot elaborate themselves.
2: That's deep, man. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's the most kind of pure thought you can have as a coach. Is There's great players out there that we might not be able to make match, but... I can help try and give you solutions so that we can beat them. Yeah, 2-0 yeah, yeah. down against Leicester at however many minutes. <laughs> yeah. um, I
2: think that is probably the most intellectual thing anyone's ever said on this podcast. Yeah, well, it's without BLC, a doubt it's it not is. Me, so.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. So, yeah, should we, we have a look at what's going on right now then?
0: We kind of covered a lot of, like, your thoughts on him, but I guess, like, for, you know, 4-3 loss to start with against uh, Liverpool 4-3 win against Fulham 1-0 against Sheffield United 1-1 against Pep and uh, Man City then a loss against Wolves and 3-0 against Villa I, I think really like that is that's bloody good to, to for, a, for a promoted team to come up and get especially against Liverpool and, and City them kind of results like you're rare for for promoted teams to come up and get anything in them what what's your thoughts on that mate i think
1: no i I totally agree like my my only hope for leeds this season after so many seasons out the premiership is just to avoid relegation Like anything Mm. above that is we've done well and as long as bielsa stays have a look at and see what we can do the next season and like 10 points from six or seven games probably if we're not going to win tonight puts us on course for around like 60 points this season anything over kind of 37 40 gets means you yeah. stay up so yeah yeah
2: speaking to you I wouldn't worry about getting relegated I don't think the way I've seen Leeds play so far and coming out the gates and attacking big teams and playing the style of football you play I can't see you going down particularly when there's teams like West Brom and Fulham and Man United in the in the Premier League you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah mate, we're definitely we're definitely around that fucking pre- drop zone at the moment mate Yeah, I mean it must be like such a joy to even watch it to play the way you played against like Liverpool or City. It must be like even like looking past the result. It must be such a joy to watch as a Leeds fan.
1: Yeah, and his his philosophy is to attack and always to attack, whether you're winning or losing or drawing. You know that's what makes his teams so exciting to watch and kind of proud to support. Sometimes Mm. it goes horribly wrong, like in the playoff (laughs) semi final against Derby. Leeds were kind of falling apart in the game. It was three-three on aggregate. There's ten minutes left. Varadi gets sent off. We're down to ten men. Most managers would go right. We're going to shut up shop. We're going to defend. Put every man behind the ball. Leeds went out, attacked Derby, conceded another goal, lost four-three. And you,
0: know, you, you loved you loved it at the time with Bielsa, but also like you were you weren't happy at that point with him with him going out and still attacking, right?
1: You've just got to respect the fact that he has his ideas and his principles of how football should be played and he's never going to go against that.
0: I fully agree, man. Go on, mate. What's what's the score?
1: No, not the
2: score. Sorry, I just wanted to bring up the fact Daddy Mauricio's. he's on Monday Night Football now, isn't he? Oh, yeah, uh... he is, yeah. Pundit, yeah. He's looking luscious, mate. His hair's <laughs> nice and long, looking well in himself,
1: you know?
0: Yeah, he's, he's ready to get behind, uh, behind some other wheels.
1: I've got another quote for you as well after the Fulham game. Well, we won 4-3 Bielsa was asked when we were leading 4-1 were you not tempted to put 10 players behind the ball to defend the result Bielsa through his translator said what this game showed is that results are not preserved by giving the ball to the rival and defending close to our own goal the result is preserved trying to continue to do what allowed us to establish that difference in the result which is to play in the opponent's half of the pitch and attack it is a mistake to think that to maintain a result you have to do the opposite of what was done to achieve it
0: yeah, yes. you're just dropping knowledge bombs on us here man <laughs> That is like you said. You can be pissed off if you lose in that kind of situation, like you said, like you said about Derby. But at the end of the day, like he is, like like we've said loads of times, pure total football, isn't it? Just I want to win. I want to score as many goals as possible, and that's it. Most managers in that situation, no way are they. Are they still attacking? But, you know, you've got, you got to respect the guy, and you've you got to respect what he's about. And um, no, Yeah, fair play, exactly. You, right?
1: Yeah, it's been, been a really good start to the season. Like, the Liverpool game, I felt like we were unlucky that Liam Cooper was out. When I saw he was out for the first game of the season, I was thinking this is going to be the worst against Liverpool. Because
0: you started, a, it was a centre-back who was, was he straight from the academy? or?
1: So we started Robin Cock, who we signed in the summer, basically playing his first game. And then we played Pascal Stroik, who we signed from Ajax as like a young centre-back in the academy, but he'd only ever played holding midfield for Leeds in the first team before. He has played at centre-back, obviously, through his youth career, but never played at centre-back like a first-team game. First-team game, is playing against Liverpool with a centre-back alongside him who's never played in the Premier League before, and with a goalkeeper, Elan Mellier, who played in, like his 11th game, 11th senior game wow. in England.
0: When you put it in that kind of perspective, it's crazy, isn't it, that... <laughs> you even yeah. you lost four three to yeah. at the time, and probably still, unfortunately, still the best team, definitely in England, and you know up there in Europe, isn't it? So
1: yeah, we we definitely struggled in that game, kind of just organisationally from set pieces. So I think the majority of Liverpool's goal came from set pieces and people losing the men and just not being organised enough. But at the same time, Leeds were ridiculously clinical in that game, and the mm. chances that we took were just. Great shots from the edge of the box, or working it really well into the area, and Bamford's from Van Dyke. I don't know what Van Dyke was doing at the moment, but (laughs) he's lying in a hospital bed now, mate.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, mate. That's that's actually led well nicely into the next question, which is Big Patrick Bamford, mate, because I remember having quite a few conversations with you last season and the season before that about when I was saying, like, I remember him when he was when he was at Chelsea and then he was at Middlesbrough and he looked like. A proper mint player, and you always used to be like, nah, don't like him, mate. A bit shit, like not not shit, but uh, not clinical. Like he he seems like he just strolls around a little bit, bit not arrogant, but a bit like he just you know up himself. Bit nose, no because he's been at Chelsea, and obviously when are you going to study at uh, Harvard as well. Like yeah, yeah, down that yeah we talked about this
2: last week. Yeah, yeah. Oh
0: yeah, we did, didn't we? Yeah. But from the game against Villa, where he bagged that absolutely beautiful hat trick have you changed your opinion are you are you on the Bamford train now what's
1: I think it's called Bamford Island from what I've heard (laughs) Uh, so yeah Lord Bamford kind of my first impression of him was kind of as you say he's this posh boy ex-Chelsea Academy graduate when Leeds first signed, everyone was wondering why we were paying seven million pound for a striker who couldn't really break into Norwich's team, Crystal Palace's team, or Burnley's team when in the Premiership. Could only really remember him doing well at Middlesbrough in the Championship, and the player's not really made it in the Premiership at that point. You kind of think, well, is the Championship their level? It's quite rare as well to see a player from a well-off background. You often kind of hear stories in football about kind of football being a vehicle to kind of bridge inequality and wealth and things like that. Stories like Alphonso Davies, who's come from being a child in a refugee camp to playing in the Champions League final. Like RQ. Yeah, Mm, I think probably kind of a subconscious bias of what is this posh boy doing sitting on the bus? (laughs) He doesn't need football to help him out financially. He can't be as committed or as willing or work as hard or want to work as hard to be as successful because he doesn't need it as much. That opinion, which was kind of the first opinion I have him, is kind of completely wrong because as long as he's played for Leeds, he's not lacked commitment and kind of Bielsa has transformed him. Before he played for Leeds, he kind of played as like a wide forward or a second striker in like a front two, whereas Bielsa turned him into a number nine who, even at his worst, he was still good at leading the line, kind of running the channels and linking up the play. But biggest weakness of his game last season and kind of beforehand was just converting chances and being mm. clinical in the penalty area. Um, I'm not sure how much you guys have gone into XG in the past. Uh, well,
2: I think I've mentioned it, and Daniel's looked at me very confused. But yeah, yeah go on. Next <laughs> to gen it
1: to is
2: Diamond. like next gen, in it, you know what? <laughs> XG XG, you knobhead. <laughs> XG,
1: what yeah, expected goals? Expected goals. So it's basically (laughs) a way of measuring chance quality to calculate the number of goals that should be scored by a team or an individual player. Every shot is given a value from zero to one based on how often goals have been scored from similar situations. So last season in the championship, Bamford had an XG of 24.34, which is pretty decent. Like The two top scorers in the championship were Oli Watkins and Alexander Mitrovic. They had 25.11 and 24.36. Um, So Watkins and Mitrovic both scored 26 goals, slightly outscoring their outputs, but Bamford scored 16. 10 fewer Uh, than his rivals, and 8 fewer than would be expected from that quality of chances. There's a Leeds fan who's written a really good article about it, basically looking at all of Patrick Bamford's career, a guy called Josh Hobbs on Twitter, basically where he'd analysed every goal Bamford scored pretty much across his career. MK Dons, Middlesbrough, every team he's been at, and kind of came to the conclusion that the majority of Bamford's goals come from situations where he's running onto the ball and he has time to strike the ball cleanly. But because Leeds was such a dominant team, most teams that play against Leeds in the championship would sit in a low block, try and ride the luck, try and catch us on the break, or wait for Leeds to make a mistake or get a goal from a set piece. Which meant that most of the chances Bamford had came in packed penalty areas, the ball being pulled back or crossed in from wide areas, lots of players in the way. The main difference from this season to last season is that we're not facing as many teams that we're going to do that and sit deep, yeah. we're playing against teams that will attack Leeds, be more stretched, leave more space for Bamford to run, run onto and take his shots.
2: Because you're, you're, not, you're not the big boys anymore, are you? You're, not, you're the, the little fish in the big pond exactly, now. Yeah, so, and if, yeah.
1: if we're playing against Liverpool at home, Liverpool aren't going to sit behind the ball behind the ball against a newly promoted team, every Liverpool fan is going to think, what the heck are we doing? And the yeah. game's where we struggle really, this season. They're definitely going to be against teams that sit back. Like The game against Wolves a fortnight ago, I've only seen a bit of the Leicester game tonight, but it looked like Leicester's idea was to sit back and hit us on a break, and they're doing that pretty well. This season, Bamford has an XG of 3.39, excluding tonight's game. He scored six mm-hmm. goals from that, which just kind of shows how how much of a difference it's made, just the opposition that we're playing against and the types of situations that he's finding himself in. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think my first impression of Bamford was wrong and it's (laughs) proven me wrong in the premiership. Like, The game against Villa was the best he's played so far for Leeds. I've never seen him hit a ball like he did that second goal. the third one, he just waltzed into the penalty area like Paolo one shot. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I just hope he keeps proving me wrong for doubting him in the first place. But I will say, at the start of this season, I put him in my FBL team. I had faith in him. Is he still in there? Yeah, yeah, he's still in there. I've seen a few people with him in their fantasy teams, actually. He's been a good pick because he wasn't that expensive
2: at the start. Are you still hosting, Daniel? I don't know what he's doing. Just texting females now, aren't you?
1: Uh...
0: No, I'm not. It's fucking... (laughs) Oh, it's news, mate. I'm checking what they're at. Uh, Alan Smith's saying about
1: the goal, is it? Um, One thing I promised that I would mention to a friend of a friend. So Penny's mate has got 15 small tortoises, and it is relevant. Yeah, okay. <laughs> she's okay. she has recently hatched 15 small tortoises, and she's gonna try and train them up into being a back garden tortoise football team. so if there's anyone out there with a team of 11 I'm sure she'd be willing to lend a few tortoises maybe in a couple of years time once they've had enough coaching anyone out there who wants to challenge Fran to a game of back back garden tortoise football she's well up for it
2: right should we ever whip through some Premier League games quickly I think we should. Yeah, mate. yeah.
0: The the prem rundown we've got going here is uh city, city, Sheffield United, which is probably actually one of the shittest games of the of the weekend. I'll be honest, I only watched the highlights, but it looked like City were sort of back to them all selves in some way, but also like these are the kind of West Ham last week and and Sheffield United. They'd be the games that they'd be winning
2: three, four nil, and like I think motivation's down like across the board for them really. I don't know, like the ins and outs of it, but there's obviously some stuff going on. Whether it's them being aware that Pep's actually getting towards the end of his um, contract, or what I don't know. Obviously, they're, they're missing a few key players as well, and some players aren't on form, and I don't know. I think it's just that it's probably a like you know a whole mix of stuff, little little issues here and there that's just building up to it. I have no doubt that they're they're not going to play like this for the whole season. They'll definitely fucking pull their finger out and sort it out.
1: Barcelona thing keeps cropping up with Pep as well, doesn't it? As well, and it's like. Yeah, so true. The beautiful Spanish ex-girlfriend. Yeah, if you're, if you're yeah. a Man City fan, that probably is one thing in the back of your mind. Is like, oh, if he does love that club. Mm-hmm. Would he go back kind of thing? And he's come yeah. out and said that he wouldn't and he's not.
2: If he could go back and sort them out, he'd be like the saviour,
1: wouldn't he? I think he probably knows that it's not It's not a good time to go back, even if he didn't no, want to.
0: definitely not. Risky game, isn't it, That I think? Especially when he's just got absolute bags of money at City when, you know... Next game was Liverpool West Ham, which was we kind of semi-predicted this, but not really. Uh, I said a draw <laughs> last week, but I mean, it was it was a fairly even game. It wasn't like I mean, I think Liverpool did edge it, and I think they did play better, but also like Moisey, like West Ham, that they seem to be like sticking around a little bit. And also, I want to shout out. I did say that Joe was going to be sick at Liverpool, so.
2: That's two weeks on the bounce about that, mate. You can't milk that anymore after this. <laughs> I said, I, I predicted a Liverpool win, didn't I? That yeah, was you me. Did, you did, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank yeah. you. I think, you I, think I said 2-1 as well. I have to listen back, but I think did I said 2-1. Maybe. Salah looks like he's back on it though, doesn't he?
1: Yeah. He does. He, yeah. He's, he's been fantastic this season. Some of the chances that he's taken, it just looks like he really means business kind of thing, and,
2: I was just going to say it was it was a weekend of uh, controversial penalties as well. I think Salah had a one that was slightly controversial in this game. Although I think it probably aired more on the side of that was a penalty.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I agree, man. Like it, maybe like three or four years ago, you'd be a bit more like maybe that wasn't a penalty, but now, like, yeah, I think. I think mm. that probably was a penalty. And it pains me to say it when Liverpool are winning still. But
2: I was going to say as well, um, Liverpool conceded the most goals this season out of all the teams. In the entire okay. Premier League? Hey, it con- conceded seven in one game. Oh, yeah. Cool. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little tidbit for you. I've just taken out the running order so you can't cheat, Daniel. Who was the last team to concede this many goals in their opening seven games and go on to win the title? I mean, I don't know why I'm asking you. You're not going to get it. Was Blackburn? it no. Leicester? Villa in eighteen ninety-seven.
1: Eighteen
2: ninety-seven. That's why you were never gonna get it.
0: Canell, <laughs> oh mate. Nice, nice little knowledge bomb on us there again, mate. Like well that's
2: that. what I do, mate. I listen I listen to the Guardian football podcast or the totally football podcast before we come <laughs> on air and I just steal all their facts. Drop that in there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least I'm honest about where I'm getting them from. Yeah,
0: fair play, mate. Fair play.
2: I've got some good facts for this game as well, actually. United Arsenal. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Fourteen years since Arsenal won at Old Trafford. Yeah, uh, they've only ever won at Old Trafford three times in the Premier League era, and they were all one 0 mm, I think one of them was uh, Sylvan Wiltord When I
0: was uh, I was at that game, mate, and uh, it wasn't <laughs> uh, it wasn't a good wasn't a good game to be at. And I don't want to say it, but also like, what the fuck is all these tactics? I don't. I am sort of losing faith a little bit tactically, like. Don't get me wrong. In the week against Leipzig, we looked really, really on it, like we wanted it big time. And then he changed and he put McTominay and Fred in as like they're just two holding midfielders. And then he took off, took off Fred and brought on Matic. And I was like, are we just playing, we're just playing with the handbrake on again. Like I don't, yeah. Especially like we've said, like James is going to bring up any second. We'd spent thirty-eight or forty million on van der Beek he's
2: still not starting. he
0: played he? He, he played he played for a he just came on with about in about the 73rd minute like it's okay, so uh, you had
2: then you have Pogba and Fernandez on as well
0: yeah so we have Pogba but but if I'm being honest like I would have just started van der Beek Bruno and Pogba McTominay's a decent enough sitting midfielder you don't need and especially when you're, ch- you're taking off Fred and bringing on Matic like that to me is just a signal that you, you were there for a draw. You were happy with a draw. That was
1: before Arsenal scored. Just looked like a game where it was scared to lose kind of thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. Exactly the same with the I Chelsea game. That. Yeah, yeah. The, the Chelsea game, exactly the same. We, we'd started with Fred and McTominay, who basically are the same uh, same kind of midfielder. Like, and tough times at the moment, mate. Although then in midweek, we smashed the, the leaders of the Bundesliga 5-0. And it's like, I don't know where, if we're up or down, it's kind of hard, but...
2: That's that's my opinion on it, boys. I mean, and as much as it pains me to say it, I do want to say it seems like Arsenal are on a slight gradual upward curve. Not scoring many goals, but they are getting points here and there. They also got the best defensive record in the season so far. I think Thomas Partey is going to be a brilliant, brilliant buy for them. Big unit in that
0: middle, which really, Sam, like, think about this. Like, when was the last time you can think, apart from Vieira, Gilberto Silva a little bit, but after that, like, Really, if they had like a proper, decent midfielder which can play the ball and is like, as I would say, odd
1: man. I think there was years and years after Vieira left, if people said, "Oh, they need a replacement for Vieira," they need a replacement for Vieira. I think it has gone to such an extent of time where people have forgotten the fact that they probably needed a midfielder like that. Still, they kind of got, they've got. Passers and playmakers from deep, like Xhaka. And they had, like, little Lucas Torreira, who was, like, a terrier, but didn't have a player who was kind of everything in one. He looks quite angry, I think, Partey,
2: <laughs> He looks like he's always ready to go at any second.
0: He does look up for it, doesn't he?
2: Yeah, I was really quite sad on the last day of the transfer window when they got him. I thought, this is going to be a great window. We've made eight signings. Arsenal have done nothing. And then they go and pinch him on the last few minutes. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think overall, like... Probably Arsenal deserved the three points. I think. Yeah, hundred percent, man. If
0: we if we'd have held out for a draw, it'd have been a it'd have been unjust for Arsenal, definitely.
2: I got all the facts today. It's uh, United's worst start at home since 1972. 72, yeah. They said that on uh, on the commentary last
0: yesterday. Yeah. Although, just to push back on that slightly, it does feel like most seasons you could say that about United since Fergie left, because just it hasn't been. Fergie. So, but I mean that seventy two is way before Fergie. So uh, yeah, I got no no real defense
2: there, mate. All I'm saying, mate. It, oh, foot leads are in then. Bloody hell. I uh, all I'm saying is Mourinho went United Monday night football. Spurs. Pochettino's gone Spurs Monday night football. So tell me what's <laughs> next, mate. <laughs> <Mm-mm>. <laughs> I'll take that, mate. I'll take that. Talking of Spurs. Uh, 2-1 Spurs Brighton two one Spurs. Again, another kind of dodgy penalty in this. I don't know if any of you guys saw that. Lallana was just going
1: in really clumsy, wasn't he? Just... But
2: Harry knew what he was doing, though. Yeah, yeah. He had a little look at him, and then he just kind of stuck his ass out and went down. I'm obviously not going like, to... You've got to do that a bit, haven't you? Like, you've got to play the foul a bit, but even as a Spurs fan, I was like,
0: oh. I pretty much 100% agree with what you said, yeah. I think really it, prom- it, it was a pen in in this kind of football now that's a pen but it was like you said he 100 percent knew what he was doing when
2: he's sort of getting into him didn't he but then i was like like the foul could have gone either way basically the foul could have gone against harry kane yeah but then well, even then when he gave the foul even then i was like that's not a penalty it's not in the box but it's because yeah. he had like his toe <laughs> over the line it was
1: really weird <laughs> The thing i thought was it it probably looked like it was more slightly to the edge of the area. But if it's one yeah. of the ones where it's on the line, then it's always going to be a difficult decision. Oh, there's plenty of bad
2: calls in this game, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> um, yeah, Gareth Bale scored his first on his return to Spurs. You love to see that. Although it wasn't a particularly glamorous goal. He was unmarked from a corner. Not the kind of goal you would have thought he'd have scored. No, crazy. I think it'd be some fucking thunder cunt from like 25 <laughs> yards out just chopping in like... <laughs> I just wanted to give an honourable mention to Lamptey as well. So, so good. Yeah, man. We've mentioned him a few times on the pod, but... I'm surprised that was his first goal in the Prem as well. Like, Shouldn't have been a goal, but yeah, me too. Why shouldn't it have been a goal? I didn't see that in the highlights. The tackle on Yeah, in the build-up to that.
0: Oh, shit. Yeah, that was, wasn't it? Yeah, that was in... Yeah, I forgot about that actually. Yeah. The
2: ref ref goes over to the fucking monitor. Yeah. Even though he was like three feet away from the actual tackle when it happened and then still sticks with his decision.
0: That was the first time that they um went to the monitor but didn't change their decision as well, I think, wasn't it? Like since yeah. since they've since they've put pinch side monitors in, yeah.
2: Tottenham, mate, yeah. setting records left and right. <laughs> <laughs> I also, just before we move on, I just wanted to mention Spurs' fixtures after next weekend are City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Palace, Liverpool, Leicester, Wolves.
0: I mean, that's stuff to look forward to, but also stuff to kind of shit yourself as well, self about as well, isn't it? Like, this is, at the end of the day, it's make or break for Mourinho. Nah, there's oh. definite wins in there against Palace and Leicester, really, in not there? Well, maybe not Leicester, who knows? Uh,
2: Palace, bogey team for us. Bogey team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone's a fucking bogey team, but yeah. <laughs> right, moving on. Oh, this was man. a great game. Did you watch this? This was sick.
0: I, I watched the extended highlights of this one. I treated myself to a good 18 minutes of this game, mate. This, Yeah, this was mint, wasn't it? This was-
2: it was one of them one it? where it was like well, it was Southampton 4, Villa 3. But thought first off, this is done and dusted. Like Southampton, are, are, they'll just see this out now. As soon as Villa got one back, it was like,
0: it's on. I do think there is something to be said about Villa surviving last season, the way they did and stuff. And like, I think it has brought all that team together. Like the, the fact that, like you said, like one goal. And that was like, it was all within the, like within the 84, 87th or something or 85th minute or something. Wasn't it like, Two of the three goals, like
2: yeah, they were pretty close to the end. Yeah, yeah. I think Grealish even in the, I think in the last minute of the game, Grealish was like through on goal as well at one point. it was your, it was your mate Daniel. It was Grealish, mate. Yeah, hmm. let's not talk about him, mate. Let's <laughs> not get more.
0: into
2: a bag at home. <laughs> um... We need to get a sound effect for every time we bring up Grealish. We just have like a little <laughs> alarm or something that goes up. <sighs> <laughs> um. Also I got a got a shout
0: out to to James ward Prowse like oh man he's been he's been around about do you, Sam you remember when he was first like talks about him in like the under 18s and the under 21s in England and then and now his delivery and his free kicks, honestly, like our rate is probably like top five, maybe even top three of of like who can deliver a ball or score a free kick, right?
1: Set piece taking is one of the best players in the Premiership. When you when you kind of look at the goals that he scored from set pieces. And his Sorry, so
2: Leeds have just had what I thought was a very obvious penalty Yeah. not, not given. <laughs> <well>. <laughs> oh my god! VAR will check. How's that not there? a penalty? Yeah, yeah, they're playing on now. Dear me. Yeah, I don't. I can't think of a player that I'd rather have behind a free kick than him. Like, direct or indirect, like...
0: His delivery and his striking ability is just... Oh, it's just the another level, that,
2: isn't it, man? The fact that, like, both of the goals he scored from the free kicks were, like, carbon copies as well. Keeper yeah. didn't move for either of them. It was amazing. But, um, it's like he's... He is like it's literally like playing
0: FIFA. Like he just has that target in whatever corner he wants, and he's like just go in there, and that's it. Yeah. And also, big shout out to Danny Ings. Do you see his goal as well? What like oh, that yeah. was? I mean, strike from the edge of the area. Yeah. Yeah, mate. Like he, we've we've spoke about Danny Ings a couple of times on here, and he's kicking on, isn't he? Again, it's I think he's good. Good signings, and you know. Like I've said a couple of times, the uh, the Alpine Clop at, um, at Southampton still uh, doing bits, isn't they?
1: Any time a shot crashes in off the bar, it just looks beautiful, doesn't it?
2: It does. Now you have no crowd, and if you have the crowd noise turned off, the sound it makes, even if it doesn't hit the woodwork or whatever, when it ripples the net and you get that proper like nice clap sound, yeah.
1: Was it was it Erling Haaland who scored one for Dortmund? Was it? I probably like, mate, yeah. <laughs> He's, oh, he's, he's
0: doing
2: that all the time,
1: isn't he, really, mate? Shot, just like, bagging. Like <laughs> he yeah. just absolutely blasted it. And the sound it made when it hit the net was just like...
2: Yeah, so satisfying. <laughs> Unless it's like this, where a team's just gone 3-1 up against you.
1: Yeah.
0: And you've yeah. just had a penalty claim
2: like turned down as well, which is even more salt in the
0: wound, isn't it? Next one is uh, Newcastle-Everton, which Baker's going to be absolutely buzzing about after that, isn't he? 2-1. Mm. Like, and... I don't want to. I feel like I'm tooting my own trumpet here, loads. But I did say Callum Wilson was a really good buy. I thought for them, and he is. He's doing bits again, isn't he? Like he's. And I do think a big, a big thing is that Rodriguez was out. Like he, he has been so integral. I was reading a little article on him yesterday about um. They've had. They've either scored or created seventeen chances ever in this season, and he was involved in fourteen of them. Crazy, isn't it, When you think about it, so to lose such a big creative influence on a game like
1: it's... alongside with Charleston as well getting banned. Oh yeah, of course he yeah. was taking a lot yeah. of the team.
0: I think I think that ever Everton are going to be fine, aren't they? And uh, shout out for for Baker on Newcastle. He's just going to be buzzing about that. And Saint Maxima looked good. I saw some stats where he is something like he he had like nine dribbles against a defender and like seven of them were successful and we were just saying like he doesn't really know what he's doing or it looks like he doesn't and then he always seems to just knock it past them and and whip a good ball in or have a
2: chance. Uh, Chelsea beat Burnley 3-0 which I was a little bit annoyed about.
0: I, I put a tiny little bit about this and I don't know if you believe if you agree with me here Sam but I just feel like Burnley they're Jim said a couple of, when they played them last week, like they are the epitome of like anti-football. And I do agree with him, like in terms of, they don't want to play how Bielsa wants to play, how other teams want to play. But I don't know, the budget that they're on, like it does feel like that's all they can do. But I don't know, like I am a bit worried for Burnley this season. I'll be honest. I think it could be a season where they just, anti-football only gets you so far, doesn't it? Sean Dyche is going to get caught out eventually. When other teams are coming up, and even teams like I was saying, like Southampton, even West Ham, and teams like that who seem to have a better start. And I know it's early on, but we're predicting, aren't we? So you know, what do you think, Sam?
1: Yeah, I know, I know quite a few Burnley fans. Pulling up, almost boyfriend's a Burnley fan, We've got season tickets. It's 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 been a very strange situation for them over the past season or so with Sean Dyche on the board because he seems to be at odds. And he seems to be sending out similar messages to the ones kind of Poch was sending when he was at Tottenham last year, of being like, "I'm not really happy with the players I've got. I'm not really happy mm. with the squad that I've got." And the board just either aren't willing or don't have the money to invest yeah. within the squad to an extent where they've lost lost Jeff Hendrick on like a free this summer, who was one of their one of their better players in the yeah. field. They've lost quite a few kind of first team contract players because you just couldn't really afford them, and they're trying to replace them with players that they've they've got from the academy or taken from academies from other clubs but it's just not really working at the moment and Sean Dyche is a very kind of very English functional tries to get his teams to work the best way he can and has done a really really good job at Burnley for a long time but is it just a case of he's done all he really can there and kind of the cycle has come to an end there he needs to find a new club and Burnley needs to find a new way of doing things
0: I kind of compared it to Stoke and the end of Tony Pulis sort of like kind of feels sort of similar in terms of like how Pulis had sort of done really well, got good results against big teams, sort of playing in inverted brackets, anti-football. Yeah, I think you're right. It could it could be sort of that time with Sean Dyche where you just sort of think he's gone as far as he can with that kind of football and if they board aren't willing to invest and you can't keep players. Like you say, losing Jeff Hendricks, I think, is a massive thing, especially to another rival, kind of relegation rival, if you want to say, uh, in terms of Newcastle-like. Yeah, it does kind of smacks of he could be ready
1: to walk. Or yeah. There are rumours of a takeover of Burnley at the moment as well.
2: Yeah, by an Egyptian, oh, Egyptian millionaire, I think, yeah. So we've got the... I don't think we'll have anything to say at any length about this, but the Battle yeah. of the Bottom... Uh, Fulham and West Brom Fulham 1-2-0 I'll be honest I've seen nothing of this so I can't comment but it might be a really important result mate when United are down there in the bottom Mm. three towards the end of the season this might might really really come into play big things right (laughs) trying to be out Fulham or West Brom
0: for the <laughs> sixteenth place to stay in the Prem.
1: Oh, I love it. Fulham are definitely a team who kind of with Scott Parker, how that Fulham team, because Leeds played against both Fulham and Brentford last season. I've seen Brentford play quite a few times and seen Fulham play quite a few times. And Fulham Fulham scraped into it off the back of having kind of quality enough players and having Mitrovic because Brentford were a really good team. And then they've just done one on Brentford on one in one game. Anything can happen, kind of thing of being like Scott Parker got his tactics right for one game. If Brentford had come up instead of Fulham, would they be doing? Would they be doing how Fulham are doing right now, or would they be doing a lot better under Thomas Frank?
0: I know, I agree, man. I think I think Brentford, if they if they'd have come up instead of Fulham like this season, I think like I've seen quite a few games of uh, highlights of theirs last season where they do they love to play football. It's kind of like a a Bielsa situation in sort of in some respects really Fulham Fulham West Brom is like Jim said, battle at the bottom there I think them two teams are pretty for at this point in time I think they're pretty nailed on to be the two most likely to go down aren't they I'd say
2: Fulham West Brom and uh, Burnley I reckon
0: yeah could be a good shout out
2: anyway should you have a quick look at what's on next weekend we've got City Liverpool could be tasty could be shit
0: I, <laughs> right. I said this to my housemate. As soon as... Uh, oh, it was a uh, Mikel Arteta... No, not... Um, Tim Cale, who was doing commentary on the game yesterday for Arsenal United. And literally, just as the players were coming out, he went, you know what, guys? I've got a feeling this could be a game with loads of goals in it. And I said, every time a commentator says that, it's a boring nil-nil or a one nil <laughs> And it, it was just... It's the curse of the commentator. But I, I, no, I do think Liverpool, um, Man City, I'm hoping that it's going to be half decent at least, even if it's not high scoring, like just loads of chances, end-to-end shit,
2: right? I'd, argue, I'd arguably say Everton United might be a more interesting game. I'm not so no. sure, pal. I think. Well, interesting hard. for interesting for me and Sam. Not interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> interesting for
0: Everton fans and you guys, neutrals who love to see United lose. Yeah, it's interesting yeah, yeah. in that respect.
2: And then uh, Midlands derby as well. Leicester Wolves in there could be good. Could be an interesting game. Yeah,
0: off the back off the back of this, if they keep if they do win against Leeds, that's. Is that like three games, two, three games that they haven't lost now? Because they had a pretty terrible
2: start, Leicester, didn't they? So I haven't yeah. really been checking in with Wolves this season. Have they just quietly been doing getting results or what? Uh, yeah, I think they had
0: the loss against oh, West Ham, didn't they? four yeah, nil, yeah. which was pretty drastic. But then I think, I think, yeah, I think they've just been sort of mixed, haven't they? I can't, I can't remember what most. Yeah, league.
2: they had a uh, uh, loss against West Ham, beat Fulham, beat Leeds, drew with Newcastle, beat Palace. Oh, yeah. So they're quite, and, quietly doing all right. Been, yeah. They've been one of the more
1: solid teams defensively. Yeah, definitely. And then they've got Jimenez kind of doing the business up top. I mean, they hmm. missed Jota. I think they have missed Jota. The uh, way losing a play player
0: which going to get you that many goals and assists and just runs mm-hmm. around Jota, don't he, big time? Like, yeah. Because I don't yeah. think they, I can't think that they
1: brought anyone in to replace Jota, though. They signed a young Portuguese yeah. wonder kid for about £40 million, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I d I don't think he's made it into the team yet. I think players that they have signed score in previous windows like Pedro Neto. Yeah, I remember Neto have yeah. been in the first team more because of Jota's absence.
2: Fabio Silva. Yeah. Yeah, that's I him. Put, yeah, you mentioned him Jim. definitely. Yeah, I think he has played. I don't think he's started, but he's def I've definitely seen him on the pitch, I think, at some point. <laughs> uh and then finally, uh, the other one I highlighted was Arsenal Villa. I thought it could be a quite an interesting matchup two two sort of teams coming off quite good runs i mean villa lost
0: last week but i mean really i think villa i know we predicted and said they might struggle but i think really they're looking at like mid table lower mid table aren't they overall for the for the whole season if it can carry on dean smith can carry on getting them playing the way that they are like mm. and like i said hate to admit it but yeah bloody Grealish is keeping them going isn't he again
2: I, I will end power. on that reference, then I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was
0: going to say, who, <laughs> who,
1: who've who Leeds got this week, mate? Uh, do Leeds have Palace next? Is that right? I only yeah. think one going ahead. Is it Palace? We have to be a good game. A pass away, which is, is going to be interesting seeing Marcel or Bielsa go up against Old Roy.
2: Yeah. I That's mean, two OAPs on... fighting each other. <laughs>
0: They might be sort of one of them teams that um, you were saying about and that who will be sort of more like a, a championship team who Roy just loves them sitting back and hitting teams on the counter like, like Leicester have tonight. So, I mean...
2: Leicester you know, got a penalty
1: now. Oh, oh no. Oh, it's 4-1. <laughs> never mind. It's all right. You know. At least I was distracted. I really, no really
0: appreciate you coming on. And to be fair, it's uh, yeah. like Jim said, definitely the most well-researched and... Uh, got some real culture in there with some bielsa comments and uh, quotes haven't we as well
2: oh it's been lovely mate yeah yeah i've oh.
0: learned a lot mate i really have i've learned i think i've learned as much or more than the gb episode
2: so thank you mate straight in through your thick skull didn't it, it got beamed <laughs> in there daniel <laughs> just about mate just about went in yeah all right cheers right. sam thank you very yeah, much thanks, mate. Mate. appreciate it see you guys later